Come on, how are my friends doing at New Life Church today? Would you give it up for Jesus? Awesome. I want to welcome everybody who is worshiping with us at all of our campuses and online. You're at the right place. God has a word for you. In fact, everybody, no matter where you are, you're sitting at home, just say it out loud. God has a word for me. That's right. God has a word for you. Let me just tell you that one of the greatest joys in my life is answering the call of God upon my life and following him all over the place, wherever he calls me. And one of the greatest, greatest joys is when my wife and I moved here for the first time in 2004. And I got to tell you, I love New Life Church. So if you're a guest here, I hope that you fall in love with this place. This place is full of uh, people who are imperfect but serving a perfect God on a journey to make him known and to know him. And so I love being on staff at this church. I love serving with the team at this church. And uh, today I wanted to highlight one of our staff men members, uh, Pastor Javen and Elise Troyer. They are serving as our lead uh, youth pastors here at the Kearney campus. And they came here. You know, you know when you have a child and... For the first several months, you, you kind of communicate their age in months, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like they're 12 months, 18 months. And so, and you know, I never know when that's, when that's supposed to switch. And so Pastor Javen and Elise, they've been here 75 months, all right? They've been here 75 months. And uh, I still feel like the journey has just, just begun with them. But the journey, that, uh, the call of God upon their life has just begun. They've invested into our youth, to my kids. And your kids, if you have teenagers, they've made an impact. And uh, recently, Pastor Javen lost his father. And I know on, just on behalf of them, I'd like to say to the New Life family, thank you for loving them and showing your support and your care and your encouragement through that very uh, traumatic, unexpected time for Pastor Javen and his family. And they've sensed the, the leading of the Lord to uh, move back to the Milford area and to help Javen's mom and his family through a time of transition. And yet we recognize and they also recognize the divine call of God upon their life. And it doesn't end when transitions happen. And so I just wanted to share that news with you. I know those of you who have teenagers, there's going to be a little angst and a little grief. But God is in control. How many believe that? God is in control. We are all who are pastors here. We see ourselves as interim pastors on assignment until God uh, leads someone else to, to step in and lead. And so, but on behalf of New Life, I just want to say, and I know I'm on camera right now, but just turn to Pastor Javen and Elise and say, thank you. Thank you for loving my kids and our kids and leading so well with integrity and character and passion and your giftings. We love you. And, uh, you know, come back anytime. We love you. And we're going to, how many are going to miss Easton? How many? That's like the big, man. So come back and visit, and I love those guys. I want to encourage you, if you have teenagers, would you just express your heart to them? Write them a note, write them a check, whatever you want to do. Let them know that you love them and you care for them. Well, my name is Chris. I'm, I'm the executive pastor here, and it's, again, an honor to serve Pastor Jeff and Kim and, and to really to serve you and to serve our pastors. And today I wanted to share with you on this Thanksgiving weekend, uh, those of you who are in a little turkey, how many are still in turkey coma? Just a little bit. 
and, and you had a great time. Hopefully you had a great time with family. But I recognize that the holidays, they can, they can heighten certain things. They can heighten, they can, it can accelerate the sense of joy and love, but it also can accentuate some angst and some, uh, you know, some, some consternation and some relationship tension and things like that. But how many know the Word of God brings us back to center? It brings us encouragement. And I want to talk to you about that today. And, and the, when, when we write a message, a lot of times in a sermon, a lot of times what we're doing is we're posing a problem or a dilemma, and then we're bringing God's answer to that dilemma from God's word, right? And so the problem that I really want to uh, highlight today is that the entire sin dilemma, how many would like to hear a sermon that's just, just, just all talking about the most important problem on this wor- wor- in the world that is sin, and by the end of 30 minutes, you have the answer to the problem, right? That's what I'm endeavoring to do. But the entire sin dilemma that is that all of mankind defaults to this pursuit of filling this God-sized gaping hole in their life with everything else except Jesus. I mean, that's the sin dilemma. That's, that's all of our problems is that even if you're a follower of Christ, sin still has not lost its sway or its deceptive role in your life. It will try to convince you to pursue other things to fill what only Jesus can fill. So that's the problem. The answer is that the Word of God is so full of encouragement. Amen? That you could spend a thousand lifetimes mining it and never fully exhaust the fullness of God in, in it. So today, I'm going to endeavor to do my best to prove that to you. 66 books that's in your Bible, 1,189 chapters, over 31,000 verses. And I want to take one verse, one verse and prove that you cannot exhaust the goodness of God that's found in his word. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. Ephesians 1 verse 3, and the apostle Paul writes this. He said, blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. I want you to read that first part with me. Are you ready? Here we go. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul, he begins to erupt with praise as he pins this whole uh, verse right here. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is the title of God that we didn't get in the Old Testament. It's a new name for God that's uh, revealed in the New Testament that he is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not just creator, not just sustainer, not just provider, but he is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And are, are you noticing, can we bring that, that text back up on the, on the screen just for a moment? And as you look at that, are you noticing that Paul is getting excited as he explodes in praise? There's some excitement. There's something bubbling up within him. As he begins to praise God. By the way, that word blessed is not just ascribing blessing to God. In other translations, you'll see, you'll see a variation of what blessed is or blessed is God. What he's saying, it's praise to God or let us praise God or may I praise God. It's praising, it's worshiping God. And there's this excitement that is going on in the Apostle Paul as he's trying to communicate all of the things that's in his heart that's causing him to worship God. Isn't it sad that... People sit through church and they look as if they just lost their pet. 
I mean, look around. I, I, now, if you lost your pet today, go ahead and stay, stay in that mode. But they come to church and they hear the greatest message and they, they, they're in an environment of worshiping the greatest God, the only God. And they look as if they're unmoved. But if you tap into an area of their passion, they, they come to life, right? Now, there are different personalities, and I'll acknowledge that. Even when it comes to worship, even when it comes to things that are in this world, uh, like, like sporting, going to a sporting event. So I'm not going to use that, that classic guilt thing. Well, you'll go to the ballpark and you'll get excited about God. But I, I get there's different personalities. So when it comes to worship, if you can imagine an oak tree and a willow tree, all right? Some of you are oak trees and some of you are willow trees. So imagine that in nature. And when the wind begins to blow, right, an oak tree, the leaves start to move. You might see some branches moving, but, you know, imagine it's worship. They just are, you know, the wind's blowing. The presence of God is there, and they just kind of move. But then a willow tree, what does a willow tree do? I need Pastor Nate up here. Uh, Don't come up. But he could illustrate this well. A willow tree, what does it do? All the branches go all a little, just a little bit of wind. And some of you are like that when it comes to worship and God's presence, just a little bit. And you're just like weeping and your hands are raised and you're dancing. And so I get there's different personalities and responses to the presence of God. But if you are passionate about God, if there is a real faith, you cannot help but let it out in some tangible way. And I don't know if you can tell about, uh, about this about me today, but I am excited about God. I'm excited that I get to worship and serve Jesus. Are you? Yes. Praise be to the God of our fa- God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is reason that we have to worship God. So see, when you're filled with faith, you are moved when you hear about Jesus. There's something that, that moves you. Now, some people, they get nervous about expressing praise to God. But what do you think we're going to do in heaven? I'm speaking to those who are followers of Christ today. What do you think that we're going to do in heaven? Revelation 14 describes the praise as the sound of many oceans. There's a sound to it. There's a, there's a big sound to it when it comes to worship. And so when God is real to you, you cannot help but worship. And, and that's what I'm getting as I read this, just the first part of this verse. That Paul, he cannot help but express praise to God. So Paul says, blessed or praise be to God. When God blesses us, think about this. When God blesses us, he gives us something out of his love and out of his grace. You receive a blessing from God. You receive an extra portion of his his Holy Spirit. You receive a, a grace. You receive peace. God gives you something. He blesses you. When, uh, when, when he gives you his peace and his happiness and his joy. But when we bless God or when we worship God, we celebrate God. Another word, if you've been around the church for a long time, you might have heard this kind of phrase. We magnify God, right? We, make, we take God and we make him big in our view. Not that he is small, but he is so big that we enlarge our view of God. We magnify God. That's what it means to bless God or to praise God. And something happens that comes out of our lips when we praise and when we worship God. It's, it's, we bra- let's, let's be honest. We're bragging on God. We're declaring how good and amazing, awesome God is. So parents, grandparents in the room, it's like when you go to the soccer game or you go to the football game or the baseball game and your kid or your grandson or granddaughter scores the winning goal, what do you do? 
No, what do you, what do you do? You are excited and you brag. What do you do when you, you know, moms, dads, when you have that first child, it should be the second and the third child. But when you have, when you have your first child though, especially, what do you do? I mean, you break out the pictures. Let me show, let me show. Grandparents, what do you do? Let me show, let me show you this video of what my kid did. And everybody's like, oh yeah, that's so cute, right? I mean, you, you brag. You're excited. There's passion that comes out. And when the Christian blesses God, he brags on God. There's excitement as you talk about the greatness of God. So I want to read this again in Ephesians 1, 3, uh, 1 verse 3. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. That's past tense. Notice that. Keep that in mind. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, whatever that means, in Christ. So Paul is announcing some things here that are making him get excited as he's writing out this text. It's giving him cause to worship. And what he is saying, I believe here, is that everything that you and I could possibly ever need or want is held for us in Jesus Christ. Everything that your hearts desire. Today, if you're outside of relationship with Christ, maybe you're exploring Christianity, you're checking it out, or maybe at one time long ago you were raised in church and you served God, or maybe it was never really real to you, but for some reason you're checking all this out today. Everything, the longings of your heart, everything is found and held in Christ. Everything. Everything. Peace. Everything. Joy. Strength. Provision. Everything. Purpose, significance, every answer that you need for every situation that you have. In fact, if you're taking notes, you want to write this down. Everything you need is found in Jesus Christ. Come on, we're a church, and so we sometimes use this word. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Everything that you need is found in Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. Now, that word there, in Christ, is an amazing word. You should look it up elsewhere in Scripture, uh, everywhere it says, in Christ, where it's found. There are amazing promises already given to us in Scripture that are in Christ. And so, everything that we need is in Christ, but let me break down the whole picture of God the best I can in just a few moments of this message. There is one God, the Bible teaches this isn't very clear, that there is one God, who is eternally existent in three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Not three gods, one God, but the expressions of himself are very distinct in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And each distinct person of this one God interacts and and has an impact and is very relevant to every single one of you that are here or listening online today. And so in the context of Ephesians 1 verse 3, let me just give you what the role of the Trinity is, and that's the doctrine that I I just um, laid out there for you, the Trinity, the three in one. What each role of of God's persons is in your life when it comes to Ephesians 1 verse 3. First of all, the Father is the giver. How many dads are in the house? Come on, dads, lift up your hands. All right, fathers. The Father is the giver. Like a father on earth, he gives, right? How many dads give? You're givers, right? Whether you want to or not, right? <laughs> no, no, there should be a heart. There, there naturally is a heart of giving. 
My, my daughter is a junior at uh, North Central University in Minneapolis. And, and my, thing, my thing with her is I'll, I'll Venmo every once in a while. Just This is not an allowance. I'll Venmo her. Like, hey, here's 20 bucks. Go to Starbucks. It costs 20 bucks to go to Starbucks. How do you know that? For college students? Or send her a Starbucks gift card with a little heart emoji. I love you. I love that. I just love for no reason blessing her. And my other two are still at home. They get everything that they need right at, right at home. There's, there's a Keurig right there. Go to the Keurig, right? No, no, we, we fathers, we love to bless. So the father, God the father is the giver. The second thing I want to communicate is the son, Jesus, his role. The son is the well. Everybody say, the son is the well. The sun is the well. What am I being by well? If you like the metaphor of a bank, all right, you can use that term. But the sun is the one who receives from the father. The way the father receives from his father, the son receives from the father. He receives the gift. He receives the blessing. And he becomes the well for us. Now watch this. In Jesus Christ, God has given us, in Jesus, the well... He has given us everything that we need in Christ. Christ is the well. So the Father gives. The Son receives and holds the blessing that we need. Every good and perfect thing, everything that we need is in the well, is in Christ. And when you have Christ, you have everything. I love the story of this father and son years and years and years ago. And this father and his son, they had a hobby together. They loved to collect art. And the father was very, it was very wealthy. And this hobby was probably bigger than most of our hobbies that we had with our father. But they, they started collecting art like the Van Goghs, right? They, they, the expensive art, the art that none of us have in our house except for prints. Um, they, they collected the expensive art. And the father, his wife had passed away, and as time went on, his son went off to war. And then he got the report, the father got the report that the son was missing in action, and the son that he loved, uh, as anyone of you can imagine, you know, there was a lot of fear and anxiety, and a few days later, he received a telegram that his greatest fears came true, that his son had died while rescuing one of his fellow soldiers and trying to bring him medical help, his son was killed and died. And so the father was obviously in deep, dark grief. And one day, in fact, it was Christmas Day, he received, he, he got a knock on the door and there was this gentleman with a big package and he, uh, you know, that was wrapped up and he said, sir, I am... I am a friend of your son's. In fact, your son was rescuing me, and he, when, I'm the one he was rescuing when your son passed away. And your son always shared his love, the stories of your love for art and how you, you shared that in common. And I'm an artist, and so I painted a picture of your son. So he gave it to the father, and this man wasn't the greatest artist or painter in history, but it had a striking resemblance to his son, and so the father cherished that picture, put it over his fireplace mantle, and it became his most prized possession in a house that was full of millions and millions of dollars worth of paintings. Well, one day the father 
uh, passed away and all of the museums and the art collectors around the world were just anticipating that the auction where they would be able to bid on these priceless pieces of art. And they found themselves at the auction one day and the first painting that was up for auction was the painting of the sun. And all of the people in the room were murmuring and complaining like, who is this artist? What is this painting? Let's get on to, let's get on to the, the Van Goghs and the Monets. But the auctioneer insisted that the first painting that should be sold was the painting of the sun. And so he started the auction and, will you give me $100? Will you bid 100 And no one would bid. And finally one man said, will you take $10? That's all I have, but I was a friend of the sun and I would like to have the painting. So the auctioneer said, I have $10, do I have any more? And there was no other bid, so he slammed the gavel down and the man won the painting and he declared, the auctioneer declared that the auction was over. And everybody said, what do you mean the auction was over? We, did, we came for the Van Goghs and the Monets and all these paintings. And he said, well, it was very clear in the Father's will that whoever took the son got it all. Did you know that everything that you need is found in the well, the son, Jesus, everything. And when you take him, you get everything, everything. And then it goes on and it says, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. So the father has already given the son everything that we need, every blessing that we need. Everything that you need from now until heaven, everything that you need for your marriage, for your job, for your finances, for your calling upon your life, for direction, for healing. Everything that you need is found in Christ. Everything that you need right now is found in him. It doesn't matter what you need, how the enemy is attacking you, how you feel about yourself or your life. It doesn't matter. Every spiritual blessing has already been given and stored up for you in Jesus Christ. You don't need something different or new. You don't need a new experience. You don't need even need to go to a new church. You don't need a new toy a new thing, everything that you need is in Christ. And the temptation is to go and look for something that will fill this gap in our life. And so people go from, Christians go from church to church. People go from experience to experience. People go and look for things in this world, possessions that will fill this void. I love this quote from the book, The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. He says, there is within the human heart a tough fibrous root of fallen life whose nature is to possess, always to possess. It covers things with a deep, fierce passion. Things have become necessary to us, a development never originally intended. God's gift now takes the place of God, and the whole course of nature is upset by the monstrous substitution. There's this substitution to possess, to fill this gap that only Jesus can fill when everything that we need is found in Christ. Isn't that the whole mantra of Christianity in the gospel? And the reason for churches and pastors and and teachers of God's word is that everything is found in Christ. Everything that you need has been deposited in the well in Christ. Now, what about the Holy Spirit then? The function of the Father is to give, and he gives it to the Son, and the Son is the well, and he holds every blessing that we need, and the Holy Spirit works it into your life. The Holy Spirit works it into your life. You see, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is taking what has been deposited in Jesus Christ and then applying it to your heart. 
So the father gives, the son holds, he's the well, and the spirit communicates it to you. Why do you, why do you think that around new life we are so focused and concerned and care so much about our weekend that you encounter God the Holy Spirit that the Spirit of God is something that's tangible and real to you when you come to worship God or, or come to seek God, that you encounter the Holy Spirit because he is the one that applies the word. He is the one that speaks to your spirit. He is the one who communicates who God is. And so suddenly in your life, you have a new faith. Where did it come from? It came from the gift that the Father gave by his grace through the Son, and the Holy Spirit worked it into your life. You need to forgive somebody? It's already in Christ. Everything that you need in order to forgive is in Christ. You just have to get it. Isn't this true that, again, speaking to believers here today, that many believers live spiritually impoverished lives when we have a rich father? I want you to think about that. We have a rich father and too often we live spiritually impoverished lives. He's given us everything that we need. I said that already. Everything that you need. I mean, you have hit the jackpot if you receive Christ. Come on. And so what is every? Every is every. Everything. Every blessing is in Christ. So I want you to imagine. Imagine that you didn't know this, but either, let's say, Elon Musk he ends up being your uncle. You just didn't know, right? Or Jeff Bezos or someone like that. They're billionaires, by the way, right? And you didn't know. And 20 years from now, you still didn't know that they left you this massive inheritance. And you lived your life for 20 years or longer without accessing the provision that was available to you that was given to you. How many would be a little frustrated that you didn't know? Like, why didn't you tell me? Why wasn't that on Facebook or in the news, right? That, that I'm related and that, that why didn't anybody contact me? I know it's a silly metaphor, but imagine that you have been given something you just didn't know about it. Or you, you, did, you were notified and what did you think? You thought this was a scam, right? You're like, yeah, right. I don't believe it. And you chose not to believe it. And, and for a time, for 20 years, you didn't go to the bank and withdraw the provision, the money, right? And that's far too often what happens as we hear the message. And the truth is you, we've been provided everything that we need. But we must go to the well. We must access the well. Everything that you need is in the wells in Christ. Isn't that amazing? But if I don't know it's in Christ, or if I don't believe it, or I, and I don't withdraw from the well, then I can live this spiritually impoverished life. And it even happens as a Christian. I mean, we, we go to church, and we, we love God. We, we had a conversion experience, but this life is deceptive, and we think that everything that we need is not, it's not everything that we need is found in Christ, just some things. And we go, and we live this spiritually impoverished life trying to fill the void, the gap with things that will never satisfy they try to drink from other wells, spiritually speaking. And I think it breaks the, the heart of God when his children live below their inheritance. And God knows everything that you need. Right now, if you're here today and you don't know what to do, God knows everything that you need for your journey. He has every spiritual provision and guidance for you, for your life. 
And let me just tell you, if I could do my best to convince you with words, there is no substitute for Jesus the, the gap that you have in your life, there is no substitute. There's nothing else that compare. The entire sin condition, I said, is man's effort to try to fill that with everything else but Jesus, but nothing satisfies. But you, but, the, but you come to faith and you receive it and the Holy Spirit applies it to your life. He applies it to your life. So what do you need today? It's already in Christ. Can I just sum it all up? And some, I, I know we need answers, and we need, we need specific direction. We need, we need to know what to do. We need God, God's spiritual guidance, his ways that's revealed in his word, which really makes my point. Everything we need is found in Christ. Let's stop looking elsewhere, but look to him. Satan will tell you, you're not worthy to get that from Christ. Yeah, I believe that, that God has given you everything, provided everything that you need, and it's in Jesus, and the Holy Spirit wants to work that into your life, but you're not worthy to get that from Christ. If you believe that, that will keep you looking down and looking in instead of looking up. And if you do that, you're dead. But do like Peter when he was walking on water but began to look at the winds and the waves, he began to look in and down, and he began to sink. He heard the voice of Jesus, and what did he do? He looked up. And I know it's a physical picture, but it has a spiritual significance that we look up, we look to Christ. 1 John 1, 7, I love it, says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And look at this. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. You just remind the enemy, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're not, you need to get in the, in the family today. And as you follow him, if the enemy says you don't deserve it, just remind him that the blood of Jesus, his sacrifice on the cross, provided everything that I need. But Satan will do anything to keep you from going to the well and saying, Holy Spirit, you have what I need. I know it's in Christ. Now apply it to my life. I want you to think about this. Dad's in the room. What father, what father wants to see his children living in poverty? For me as a dad, any struggle or pain, even if it's for their good, you know, some, some struggle and pain is going to develop character and perseverance. But there's a tinge of pain in my heart as a dad when I see my kids struggling or in pain, especially when they've been abused or if they were... They're in a, a difficult situation. It gets to me. Parents, you're, you're only as happy as your saddest child. Isn't that true? No matter how happy you are, there's a part of you that just it grieves, especially if you have a child that's away from God. So imagine how God feels that he has provided everything that you need in Jesus, but you're not accessing it. Today, you need to make a move. If, if you're not accessing the well, if you're not drinking from the well, if you're eating crumbs, God is saying, hey, I have steak. Come on. I have something good for you. I have the best spiritually for you. The enemy says you're not good enough. Then you can just say to him, well, you, you know, you're partially true. <laughs> you're partially correct. The sinful me was not good enough. But remind him of Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live. But Christ lives in me, the life I now live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. You just remind the enemy of who you are. Amen? We can celebrate that today with Paul. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
So we're going to go to the well today at all of our locations and online. Today, I want to encourage you to make a move. Every single one of you, no matter where you are, you need to make a withdrawal from the well today to make a move, to ask God for a new blessing, to ask him for wisdom, ask him for direction. In heavenly places, it says, that means that we're going to look up. Don't look down, look up. If you're bringing, if, if you're hanging on to sin, confess it to God. Go to the well, receive mercy and grace. It's available in Christ. Don't believe the lie of the enemy that you are not good enough. Because let me just tell you, looking down and depressed is not going to get you anything from God. But look up to him. That's a sign of faith. The author and perfecter of our faith. Then you will get everything that you need from God. Applied by the Holy Spirit. God, I know what you have. You have something for me, and I'm going to make a move. Today, all of our locations, we're going to make a move, whether that's you just standing to your feet in a moment or getting out from your, your seat and finding a place. to. You're going to make a move internally in your heart. You're, you're going to make a move. It's going to be something significant. You're going to open your mouth. You're going to declare, maybe some of you for the first time, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. I give you my life. I'm making a move. I'm coming to the well. Everything that I need, including salvation, is found in you. And so and I'm going to pray right now. In all of our locations, we're going to make a move. Our campus pastors, before you leave today, are going to give those of you who are surrendering your life to Christ the opportunity to do that in a significant way all together as, as we close out our service today. But whatever you're going through, wherever you are, make a move. Make a move. Would you stand with me? God, we believe that your word is living and active. And from this one passage written as just a declaration of worship of who you are, we found amazing truth today. That everything that we need is in you. Everything. Whatever we're going through. Whatever we're going through, it's in you. So we come to you. Every provision, every healing, every answer to a situation. Lord, your word says if we, we lack wisdom, we just ask. You will not withhold it. You'll give it liber liberally. Everything that we need is in you. So we come to you. To the well. We repent, meaning we, we stop, we acknowledge, and we turn away from trying to find it in other things. We come to you. We surrender our life to you. To those who are following you today, Lord, I just lead them in, in just one more time, an act of worship to say, I surrender my life to you. Not for salvation, but just acknowledging your lordship. I surrender. Come to you. So I pray for my friends in the room today that need this message. They needed to hear this. They've been distracted by other things. They've been living below their inheritance. They were unaware of everything that they need. It's really just in you. And I pray that they would make a move as we worship, that we would all make a move. We would encounter mercy and grace, your presence, the Holy Spirit's application in our life. In Jesus' name, amen.